Yep, the uh, character Jet Screamer. Every single line he had had to include, Baby, baby! Hey, baby, baby! Ah, ah, ah! That's right. Hey everybody, welcome to Super Sci-Fi Party, the only science fiction podcast that deals strictly with fun science fiction. I'm your host Todd K, and with me is my co-host Scott K. How are you doing, Scott? Doing well, doing well. So, do you think the listeners out there know that this is our 456th take at the beginning of this show? I don't think they do. Technical difficulties are part of the life of every podcaster, but wow, are we getting it today. But I think we have it all worked out. It sounds fairly clean. I think we're going to be able to move on to the subject of this episode, which of course is The Jetsons, which is an animated sitcom, primetime sitcom from 1962. The specific episode we're going to be addressing today is a date with Jet Screamer. That's quite a title. It's an awesome title. I can't say as though I've ever had a date with Jet Screamer, but uh, if I didn't know what the episode was about, to me it sounds like a vacuum cleaner. <laughs> you know you want to buy the Jet Screamer 2000. It really sucks. Dirt. <laughs> I don't nice. know why I find that lame joke Very so funny. Nice. The Jetsons was an animated sitcom produced by Hanna-Barbera Productions. It originally aired in primetime in 1962 to 1963. It ran one season, believe it or not. It's amazing what a short TV run that show had, considering the impact it made. Uh, It's kind of like the original Star Trek series, which only ran for three seasons. Three seasons. And think about the cultural impact of that TV show that just ran for three seasons. Yeah, that was pretty huge. Well, like the original Star Trek, the Jetsons actually had a huge cultural impact as well. And for a couple of generations, it was a very well-known show. Um, We were both fortunately too young to have seen it in first run, but we (laughs) definitely saw it in uh, rerun and syndication. Do you remember seeing that as a kid? Absolutely. It was like a afternoon kind of thing. Yeah, it was on every day after school. It was on Saturdays. It was on sometimes in the middle of the night. It was pretty much always on. I'm pretty sure Hanna-Barbera made a little bit of money (laughs) off of the Jetsons. Off of just one season. (laughs) The Jetsons was created by William Hanna and Joseph Barbera, which of course Hanna-Barbera was a famous animation studio. Um, The Jetsons was a futuristic counterpart to another animated show called The Flintstones, which was about a Stone Age family. So they had the Stone Age family with the Flintstones, and then the futuristic family with the Jetsons. The Flintstones was terribly popular, and the Jetsons actually became popular as well. Seems to me like there's some kind of theory that I saw a video about on YouTube once about the Jetsons and the Flintstones. Can you tell us anything about that? Uh, yeah, there is a... They, they give it the, quote, conspiracy theory title. 
although it's not very conspiratorial. A guy named Andrew Kolb is apparently an illustrator who likes to illustrate these various conspiracy theories. The theory in this case is that the Jetsons and the Flintstones lived at the same time. So the Jetsons lived above the Flintstones. So Orbit City is the city in the skies above bedrock. The inhabitants of bedrock chose to live a simpler life. Well, the uh, inhabitants of Orbit City, you know, wanted all the modern conveniences. So they're saying the Flintstones and the Jetsons were actually living on the same planet, probably planet Earth, at the same time. Just one was in the sky and one was on the ground? Yes. And the evidence for this is because in the Jetsons, you never see the ground. They both have similar technology, just comprised of different materials, such as the uh, Flintstones tended to use animal labor, where the Jetsons use like circuit boards and technology. Uh, the dinosaurs looked a little funky, as if they were done up by genetic engineering. You know, think Jurassic Park, you know, because they weren't exact dinosaur replicas. Uh, the Flintstones use contemporary-looking money, drive cars, watch TV, go to drive-in movies, listen to records, listen to radio, and celebrate Christmas. All things that would not have happened or occurred to Stone Age Man. Stone Age Man wouldn't have celebrated the birth of Christ? Come on. <laughs> exactly. Thousands of years before it happened. Now, if you want to get into it, there is a slightly darker theory that Bedrock is a post-apocalyptic wasteland. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> we're, we're the podcast that vowed to never talk about post-apocalyptic sci-fi, but since it's the Jetsons and the Flintstones, I think we will grant you an exception. All right, thanks. So, Bedrock, the post-apocalyptic wasteland that was bombed back to the Stone Age, and Orbit City is just a temporary dwelling while they wait for the Earth to recover. Now, of course, the question people always bring up is, but what about the Jetsons meet the Flintstones? And in that, Elroy makes a, quote, time machine, unquote, and they travel back in time. But the theory goes that what he really made was a transporter that he thought was a time machine, and the Jetsons were just transported down to the surface of the Earth and meet the Flintstones. Well, let me uh, blow that theory right out of the water for all the listeners out there right now. Because, in fact, on the final episode of the only season, well, of the original run of the Jetsons, uh, in an episode called Elroy's Mob, a student in Elroy's class is slacking off watching the billionth rerun, quote-unquote, of the Flintstones on his Ooh. wristwatch TV. Nice. It's the 1960 episode, The Swimming Pool. Actually, now that I think about it, those watches aren't that far off from today's Apple watches. But apparently, uh, someone, a character in the Jetsons was actually watching the TV show, The Flintstones, and called nice. it The Billionth Rerun. So. And how'd the conspiracy <laughs> theorists miss that? <laughs> What's his name? Andrew Kolb. Sorry, Andrew. It's an awesome theory, because the Jetsons do live on... All their houses and all the buildings are on large poles up high in the sky. I'm guessing because something bad happened below or pollution or they just wanted to be up higher for the flying cars to work. I don't know. but <laughs> That is a cool theory. And I know it's been going around YouTube for a while. So we thought we'd uh, kick it out to you. 
Here's something that's going to make you feel old. Uh-oh. Or like we're nearing the future. The Jetsons takes place in the year 2062. So we're only 42 years away from living in the time of the Jetsons. That's kind of crazy. It's like that Back to the Future thing that happened recently Hmm. in the teens where they said the futuristic (laughs) Back to the Future happened and we apparently already passed that date where we're supposed to have the the jet skateboards and the whole thing, hoverboards. But we're 42 years from Uh. living in the time of the Jetsons. And that makes me feel pretty ancient because when we watch <laughs> this, it seems so far away. Yeah, yeah, it really did. I'm going to ease my rotting corpse back into my sarcophagus so we can continue. And I'll tell you that The Jetsons was inspired by a book about the future called, oh, wait for it, 1975 and the changes to come. <laughs> So 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 this was all supposed to be 1975? Well, it was inspired by that. And if you get wow. the book, it actually has kind of like a dome-shaped building that actually was in Los Angeles in the 60s. And there's also a man in a jetpack. Nice. And of course, jetpacks have come to pass. They're not in heavy use, but they definitely exist. So there's at least one thing the book got right. Like the Flintstones, the Jetsons followed the day-to-day adventures of a typical, quote-unquote, mid-21st century family. (laughs) George Jetson was the father. He was voiced by George O'Hanlon. Judy Jetson, the daughter, was voiced by Janet Waldo. Elroy Jetson, the son, was voiced by Dawes Butler. And Jane Jetson, the mother, was voiced by Penny Singleton. So have you ever known anyone named Penny in real life uh, besides Inspector Gadget's niece? Mm, nope. Wait, you knew Inspector Gadget's niece in real life? Oh, yeah. Wow, I'm just hearing about this now. Yeah, we used to hang out, you know. Didn't you take her to prom? <laughs> oh, wait, that was mom. Never mind. Ooh. Oh. I've only known one Penny in real life, and her name was Penny Wiggins. And she was dating one of my roommates when I lived in Las Vegas. And she was actually the magician's assistant to the amazing Jonathan, who is a famous magician that you might have heard of. Um, to make a long story short, she got us free tickets to his show. We got to go backstage. We met him, and he was super awesomely cool. And his show was amazingly good. Um, we actually got to go to a super exclusive Halloween party thrown by him. And we're walking around and Chris Angel shows up and, you know, everybody kind of wanted to say hi to Chris, say, hey, what's going on? And he had an eight person entourage kind of in a wall around him to stop people from talking to him. So, you know, (coughs) jerk. (coughs) (laughs) Oh, sorry. Must be catching that, catching that cold that's going around. Uh, Mm. I won't get Penny sidetracked anymore. Uh, The first show broadcasting color on ABC was The Jetsons. Really? How crazy is that? These days we think of shows that weren't shot in HD and we're like, ooh, that's ancient. Standard definition. But it's tough to remember there was a time when every show was broadcast in black and white. But apparently not the Jetsons. As I mentioned earlier, the episode we're talking about today is a very fun episode titled A Date with Jet Screamer. The episode was written by Harvey Bullock and was directed by Hanna-Barbera. Jet Screamer, who's a rock star, was voiced by Howard Morris, who also did the singing for the character, which is unusual because a lot of times if you have someone doing the acting, 
they will have someone else doing the singing who's more of a specialized singer. But he actually did all the singing. Um, he is best known, not for an animated character, but for being a live action actor. He played the part of Ernest T. Bass on the show Andy Griffith. <laughs> because when you think futuristic fun in 2062, nothing springs to mind faster than the Andy Griffith show, right? Oh, yeah. Right! Yeah. Mm, maybe mm-hmm. not. Ron Howard going down to a pond to go fishing. and yeah. Space fishing. <laughs> Space fishing. The episode premiered nice. on September 30th, 1962. You are our time monger. <laughs> Did anything else happen important on September 30th, 1962? Ooh. Happening in the world, a gentleman named James Meredith a black man registered for classes at the University of Mississippi. And this also inspired the Old Miss Riot of 1962. What? Because he signed up for classes? Because he signed up for classes. This is also known as the Battle of Oxford. And because of this, JFK ended up routing 3,000 federal troops to Mississippi. It's a good thing we don't live in a time of race riots. (laughs) <laughs> that would be scary. That would be. Now, on TV, uh, I found some listings for this. The Jetsons, and then parentheses, color, was up against Dennis the Menace, which was still in black and white, and Walt Disney's Wonderful World of Color, which was just the Walt Disney films that were shot in color. <laughs> Walt Disney's Wonderful <laughs> World of Color. That's bringing up some jokes in my mind, but I think I'll save them for yep. myself. Other shows of the time include, like, the Ed Sullivan Show, Bonanza, Car 54, Where Are You? Car 54, Where Are You? Yep. The Beverly Hillbillies, Mr. Ed, The Rifleman, as we mentioned, The Andy Griffith Show, and, of course, The Flintstones. Thank you very much, Time Munger. (laughs) You're welcome. feel like that needs to have a ton of reverb and... Doubling the your welcome. So the Jetsons was actually competing with the Flintstones. No, they were probably airing on the same network, I would assume. Yeah, the, the Jetsons were on a Sunday night and the Flintstones were Friday night. Wow, so your whole weekend could just be rocking out to family animation. Yep. 1962 sounds like a cool time to be alive. The plot of A Date with Jet Screamer is teenager Judy Jetson is writing a song that she can enter into a win a date with Jet Screamer contest. Jet Screamer is a rock star whom Judy idolizes. Judy's father, George, hears about the contest and decides to sabotage Judy's song so she won't win because George doesn't want Judy going on a date with a rock star. Judy's little brother, Elroy, has been working on a secret code language with his friend, so George secretly takes Judy's song lyrics and replaces them with Elroy's crazy made-up language. George mails the contest entry, thinking he's killed Judy's chances to win, but it turns out that the rock star loves the crazy made-up language and decides that Judy has won the contest. Jet Screamer actually makes a song out of the crazy words. And after the premiere of the new song, Jet Screamer takes Judy Jetson on a date. George follows the couple on their date. And through circumstances I still don't quite understand, George ends up sitting in on drums for Jet Screamer. And George becomes a big Jet Screamer fan, just like his daughter. 
Seems reasonable, right? Sounds like a typical sci-fi plot. Yeah. Jet Screamer the Rockstar is somewhat based on Ricky Nelson, Elvis Presley, and other teen idols from the 1950s and 60s. I think they did a good job of at least conveying the bravado that a rock star has. Yeah, definitely. Maybe in a little over-the-top over way. Something I know I thought about right away when watching the episode is George starts the episode on his way home from work. But he's in his flying car on the freeway. For some reason, all the flying cars pack together and go in the same direction at the same time. <laughs> I know some people have prototypes of flying cars, but where the heck are the real flying cars that we were supposed to have by 2020? That we were supposed to have by 2000? Yeah, in some movies, I think as early as 1990, we were supposed to have those. I mean, I know they have like individual airplanes that people call flying cars, and they're kind of just miniature jump jets or whatever, but... We don't have real flying cars, and I feel ripped off. Remember those books about the future that we used to have? Oh, I wish I could still find that book. I can't remember the title of that book, but it definitely predicted flying cars by now, and I'm ticked off. I think it also had, like, solar-powered bikes. and Oh, yeah. It had all kinds of great stuff. Bring us the flying cars. Uh, Did you notice when you're watching the episode that at least 50% of the auxiliary characters look like Fred Flintstone at various weights <laughs> and with various hair color. Yeah, apparently they weren't too original with it, huh? You're looking you're like, oh, there's a bellman. He's a slightly fatter Fred Flintstone with red hair. Oh, there's a guy that's a slightly skinnier Fred Flintstone. <laughs> like, <laughs> how did they get away with this? This was on primetime television. Something we do every episode is we talk about our top three most fun things from whatever property it is we're reviewing. And this week, I think we're going to have you kick it off with your number three top most fun thing from the Jetsons, a date with Jet Screamer. Uh, The number three will be, you know, that so much of the tech that they presented came true. Like video phones, robot vacuum cleaners, a uh, wall-sized large screen TV, smartwatches with Siri-like interaction. It's just... So much stuff that they had or predicted in 1962 actually came true. Don't forget treadmills for dogs. <laughs> treadmills for dogs, definitely. Let's see, moving on to number two. They have a food processor there. They order a pizza. And the way they go about ordering it is they pull out an old computer punch card that apparently has the recipe on it and feed it into the machine, which then spits out a pizza. I wish we had that right now. Yep, it's just fun, you know, that they have the ancient punch card technology is how to order food. That's what we saw that. We're like, punch cards? <laughs> For those of you that don't know, kids, and actually this is, I think, predates us even, um, computers originally, the way you interacted with them is you took a physical piece of paper, a, a card, and you had to punch holes in it and then feed that into your computer. Yep. Think about it as kind of like Braille for the computer. If you think typing is hard, just imagine (laughs) if you had to use punch cards. But apparently in the 1962 animated sitcom version of the future, punch cards can bring you flying pizza. And I'm going to have you hold off right there on your number two, because I have a feeling, even though we have not compared our list, that we both have the same number one. You see, I actually have four written down here. Oh, you're supposed to have three. I know. Well, if you have one that has nothing whatsoever to do with George Jetson, go ahead and give it now. (laughs) 
Yep, the uh, character Jet Screamer. Every single line he had had to include, Baby, baby! Hey, baby, baby! Ah, ah, ah! That's right. It was just great. It was out there. He was a super fun character. He was just the right amount of cheese, just the right amount of over-the-top bravado, just the right amount of rock star stereotype from the 60s. Um, he was a lot of fun, and I can definitely see why that was your number. We'll call it two and a half. Two and a half. My number three most top fun thing about the Jetsons, A Date with Jet Screamer. I just started right away the very first scene, the aforementioned flying car. Um, the great Hanna-Barbera sound effects. <laughs> Everything in this episode had a crazy sound effect, and they're just amazing. That flying car, whatever. And then it goes, it moves up. What's it going? Moves down. Everything just had a sound effect that was amazing. I'm like, wow. Did you hear that sound effect? Everything just sounds fun. I don't know how it's possible that they, they can make everything. The robot vacuum cleaner cleaning the floor sounded fun. How do they do that? It's amazing. My number two most fun thing from the Jetsons, A Date with Jet Screamer, is the world premiere of Eep Op Ork Aa, which is the song Jet writes out of Judy's incomprehensible lyrics, was cut together exactly like a music video. Did you notice that? I noticed it, but I didn't put it together like that. I mean, there was, there were no music videos. There was no, you know, MTV. MTV. There was (laughs) back when MTV actually showed videos. It was cut exactly like a music video. There were even lyrics, kind of like um, like a lyric video on YouTube. They had lyrics on the screen here and there and had him jumping around and his backup singers flashing on and off the screen. And it really, it was just fun to see that in, um, in an animation that was that old. It was exactly like a music video back before they had music videos, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, I guess it would predate MTV by like 20 plus years. <laughs> yeah. So hit us with your number one most fun thing about the Jetsons, a date with Jet Screamer, and I bet I know what it is. Of course. It's we'll say the... it on three. One, two, three. George, George Jetson, Jetson drum, drum solo. solo. Yep, that's it. Okay, I'm gonna. I'm not going to lie. We did practice saying it together, but we both wrote it down independent of each other. It's amazing to see George Jetson play the drums. Yeah, amazingly, middle-aged father George Jetson just happens to play the drums, although they did allude to it earlier in the episode, but I don't think it ever comes up again. But George just happens to play the drums and just happens to sneak into the drummer spot so he can spy on his daughter while she's on the date. And George Jetson can jam. What'd you think about that jazzy solo? Oh yeah, George Jetson was definitely jamming, kind of a a Buddy Rich-esque kind of solo. It really was, and I loved his set. And um, <laughs> the way some of it just looked like a flat survey, kind of, it made me think a little bit about um, MIDI trigger pads and things that we have today. But I think it was yeah. just to save on animating all the drums. <laughs> some of it was just looked like a flat round desk. So he, he just encircled him. Yeah, he was inside of a flat donut. Yep, 360 degrees around him. And I found interesting the way they animated it um, when he's looking straight at you. You have his hands and his upper torso above the donut, and then below the donut are his feet. But if you watch closely, his feet never move. <laughs> he twists to the left, he twists to the right. His feet never, I think, you know, to save on the extra animation. Yeah. They never made his feet move. And then when he actually spins around 360, they, they pull the shot up so you can't see his feet. 
I thought it was pretty cool. But of course, it was amazing to see George Jetson doing a quote-unquote futuristic drum solo, which actually sounded like a very old-school jazz solo. <laughs> yeah, it definitely was. Even in 1962, I don't know that that would have been thought of as futuristic, but it was super cool, super fun. George Jetson drum solo. I suggest if you like drums or you like the Jetsons at all, you find that episode because it's amazing just to see George jam it out on drums. And of course, through playing drums is what uh, brings the end of the episode because he walks into the house with his daughter Judy at the end and his wife sees him. She's like, hey, George, how'd it go? And they both start singing the Epop or Ah Ah song together, George and his daughter. And apparently they become friends and they both like Jet Screamer now. You wonder if that ever goes anywhere. Does Judy get a second date, maybe? <laughs> apparently not. I mean, it might not, just might not have been on TV. She'd never know. Speaking of drums, every episode we like to talk about the music from the property that we're uh, focusing on that week. And the Jetsons has a great theme song composed by Hoyt Curtin. It has these ascending strings at the beginning, and they rise and rise and rise. And it kind of makes me think about rising to the future or rising because they live on giant poles off the ground, like their buildings are, it just goes up, up, up and up. And I was doing a little research, and it turns out that the Jetsons theme song actually became a pop hit in 1986. What? The 1962 tune could actually be heard playing between Twisted Sister and Genesis on any of several rock and roll radio stations in Los Angeles in 1986. Georgia and the family had an animated video on MTV of the song. And the Jetson theme, which had been re-recorded in stereo because it was originally mono, just one channel, uh, reached number nine on Billboard Magazine's retail sale charts. Now, I have no memory of this whatsoever. No. Now, granted, we didn't live on the West Coast, but it's still Billboard is national, so number nine hit. You think we would have heard of this, but um, I don't recall. Mm, When was the uh, Jetsons remake movie, though? I believe it was later than 1986. Yeah, that was a surprise to me. I don't remember that, but apparently it actually hit number nine, um, what, 24 years after wow. after the show was off here? That's impressive. When talking about the music for this episode specifically, of course, we can't leave out the fabulous first song that we hear Jet Screamer singing called Solar Swivel. So a lot of the songs in the early 60s, mid 60s, late 50s had dances associated with them like the twist or the mashed potato. I'm trying to think of a more current reference. See, we do have, what was his, Psy? I think he was from Korea with uh, Gangnam Style. Flicking Gangnam Style. Yeah, that was terrible. I know. I apologize, everyone, but that's <laughs> exactly a song that is also a dance. I want to write a dance sensation called The Sit. The Sit. What do you want to do? Do The Sit. You could do it now if you're getting lit. See, you and I are doing it right now. We're doing the sit. You just sit in place. I think that's kind of where I, I I'm at. I can do that, yeah. That's kind of where I'm at in my life right now. Speaking of the music of this episode, Eep Op Ork Ah for some reason in the song, he says, that means I love you. It's like, Eep Op Ork Ah that means I love you. 
But two times earlier in the episode, when George is talking to Elroy about his code and whatnot, um, Epop Orc Aa actually means meet me tonight. So I don't know why Jet Screamer changed it. Because he was a heartthrob, so he needed it to be in love. I guess so. He's like, well, nobody knows what these phrases mean, so it doesn't matter. Of course, it's impossible to talk about the music of this episode without talking about the main song that uh, Jet Screamer wrote out of Judy Jetson slash Elroy Jetson's lyrics called Eep, Op, Ork, Ah, which is super memorable. Uh, we were both too young to have seen that show in its first run, but we watched them as reruns when we were children. And I got to tell you, even to this day, a couple times a year, that song still pops into my head. It's that catchy. I'm assuming it was written by Hanna-Barbera. I couldn't actually find anything that said who actually wrote the song, but it was definitely performed by the Jet Screamer voice actor. But Eep Op Orc Ah is, of course, the pinnacle of music in that specific episode. The rest of the score for the episode is kind of surprising if you really listen closely to it. Um, it's supposed to be the super far future from 1962, but a lot of the background music is very typical cartoon music from the time. A lot of oompa, oompa, oompa stuff. And you're like, mm, this is supposed to be the future. <laughs> it was kind of disconcerting. Um, George is following Judy on her first date. It's like, oompa, oompa, oompa. And I also noticed that they, a lot of the scoring was done, let's say they liberally borrowed from traditional songs. Uh, songs for which the copyrights had expired. Mm. Turkey in the straw, that kind of thing. And they, you could hear those those melodies in the background of this really, uh, what I call the oompa score. It was kind of strange for something that's supposed to be set in space. So I don't know. Jet Screamer was supposed to be ultra modern and they kind of put some little spacey synth sounds behind them and things. But the actual score for the show was the complete opposite, which I found really interesting. Just for fun, when we're talking about a show, every episode, we'd like to go out there and take a look at the merchandise that's available. And I'm going to tell you right now, because you don't know what I wrote down, but this is going to be probably the most entertaining merchandise section that we've ever done. Really? And it's only two items long. The first thing I found was very topical, very 2020. Um, Redbubble, which is apparently a competitor of Etsy, has an Eep Op Orc Ah Ah face mask. What? For $10.74. And what does this thing look like? Uh, it's just a black mask like like everybody's wearing these days, but it has bright oh, neon-colored right. Eep, Op, Orc, Ah, ah written <laughs> on it. Yeah, I suppose that wasn't clear. You could have thought Halloween mask. But wow. uh, nope, just regular breathing fabric kind of 2020 face the COVID mask. Um, but it has giant bright letters that say Eep, Op, Orc, Ah, ah. Nice. Now, how awesome is that? If you think about it, uh, it was a song, fictional song by a fictional character on a animated TV show from 1962. And someone made masks for 2020 that has the song <laughs> title in it. Pretty Dang. awesome. 1074 at Redbubble. You can get that. I'd also like to say that we actually get no compensation from talking about the merchandise currently because we just talk about it because I think merch is fun, especially sci-fi merch. So we just, just in case people are thinking this is some kind of commercial for us, we currently get nothing from talking about the merch. We just think it's fun. And now the one that I've been saving. Are you ready for it? Yep. <laughs> eBay had a Jetson Secret Wishes Rosie the Maid costume, and it was 
an adult costume <laughs> size extra small secret wishes secret wishes rosie the maid oh, now wow rosie for some reason rosie the maid was not in this episode but she is actually a rather full-figured robotic maid <laughs> made of metal and somebody i guess decided to make a sexy rosie the maid costume in 2020 wow uh rosie you know rosie the maid is great and she's nice to the kids and she can clean really well but i can't imagine uh she's the furthest thing from a sex symbol that i can think of uh, especially since she's a boxy looking robotic housemaid from a cartoon made in 1962 (laughs) so who's out there (laughs) donating their time and money to uh to building a sexy Rosie the maid costume <laughs> someone who's run out of other ideas in 2020 but uh if you know Rosie the maid wow. it's worth checking out it's on eBay it's the Jetsons secret wishes Rosie the maid costume uh the one i found was size extra small which doesn't make sense cuz that is that is not Rosie but uh it's something i think it just goes to show you can really find anything on eBay wow well he's he's Scott's checking it out right now. <laughs> anyway, that's going to wrap it up for the Jetsons, a date with Jet Screamer. Let's hear it. Yeah. yeah. We're applauding for ourselves because we did so well. We're awesome. We Woo, are great. Baby, baby. Ah, ah, ah. Make sure you join us. Uh, we put out a new podcast every other Wednesday. And we, of course, are super sci-fi party. Anyway, we hope you enjoy it. <laughs> Um, be careful out there, take care of yourself, and remember, science fiction is only fiction until someone comes along and makes it science fact. Have a good one, everybody. See ya.